Okay. <clears throat> Let's go ahead and pick it. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> I'm talking about cold and wet. I'm, I'm cold, wet, and have all kinds of sinus problems, so just kind of bear with me today. Hopefully, we'll get through this thing. Uh, oh, that's right. Adam's in Texas. I figured he'd be signing in Texas. He probably forgot about me. Okay, let's get back into where we were studying at last week about uh, Ahava Hesed. And <clears throat> let's see. First of all, I'd like to go back over the definitions. And the definitions that we actually chose comes from Mori Nakuvim, <clears throat> commonly known as a guide for perplexed by Rabbi Moshe ben Maman. And in Book 3, Chapter 53, and this is in the Odover edition on page 392, we took our idea of Hesed from uh, his 53rd chapter here. He explains three terms, uh, gives definition of three terms, Hesed and Mishpat and also Zadaka. But he qualifies the idea of <clears throat> Hesed. He says, it is especially used of extraordinary kindness. Loving kindness is practiced in two ways. So he not only tells us what it is, but he also tells us at least some some idea of how it's practiced. <clears throat> Excuse me again. First, he says, we show kindness to those who have no claim whatever upon us. In other words, uh, to people that are completely stranger to us that have absolutely no claim to us whatsoever. But then secondly, he says, in a, kind of a secondary definition, we are kind to those to whom it is due in a greater measure than is due to them. So he gives us at least two definitions of the, or excuse me, at least two practical ideas of what it means to extend Hesed to people. Uh, first of all, he just says Hesed is used of extraordinary kindness. <clears throat> and then how do we uh, relate this extraordinary kindness to human beings? Uh, he says first is practice in two ways. First, we show kindness to those who have no claim whatever upon us, and secondly, we are kind to those to whom it is due in a greater measure than is due to them. Now, also, last week, we also took a, a passage from uh, The Duties of a Heart by Rabbi Bakaya because I wanted to make something clear about this idea of Hesed. And... <clears throat> In Duties of the Heart by Rabbi Bakaya on page 303, and it's in Gate 3, Serving God, Chapter 6. And in Chapter 6, and this is just review, by the way, he says, A person's obligation of service corresponds to the degree of favor bestowed upon him. In other words, he's talking about what's our obligation in service to God. Now, in this section, by the way, which is a section that... Uh, <clears throat> I kind of like because there's another book that's called The uh, the Knowing Heart by Rabbi uh, Moshe Lozado that uses the same uh, type of style. It's a question and answer style, whereas you have the soul asking certain questions and the mind responding to the questions. And Rabbi Bakal uses that same type of literary uh, usage to explain some ideas in this section about serving God. So he says, the soul says, I've understood what you have said and your explanation is sufficient. But he says, now explain to me the various ways in which I am under an obligation of increased service to God and may be exalted. So the intellect or the mind steps in at this time and says, people come under an obligation of increased service according to the favor. Okay. So let's remember this. People come under an obligation of increased service according to the favor. And then he says, general and particular, bestowed upon them. Favor is bestowed upon human beings in four ways. And we want to really look at the very first way because this is the way uh, that befits us more, at least in our, under our, our way of understanding our study at this point in time. He said, the first is the goodness of the Creator which embraces all of mankind. So now you understand why he's, I would say the first one actually uh, benefits us more because he's talking about the goodness that embraces all of mankind. What is this goodness that embraces all of mankind? 
He brought them into existence, which previously they did not exist. He gives them life, and he favors them with all that we have spoken of in the second gate of this book. And if you have duties of the heart, I would suggest that you go back and read uh, the second gate. He says they are accordingly under a universal obligation of service to the Creator. Okay, when we say universal, that means all of humanity. It's not just the people of Israel, uh, but all of humanity, correctly? Uh, so we're under a universal obligation to the service of the Creator, may He be exalted. What does this universal, at least we should stop and ask now, what does this universal obligation consist of? And He's going to tell us. This consists of obedience to all the commandments called for by the intellect, which were observed by Adam, Enoch, Noah and his sons, Eob and his friends, up to the days of Moshe, our master, PSB, upon him. Now, <clears throat> all the laws that can be arrived at through the intellect are under the universal obligation. How many laws are that? Uh, would somebody think there's more than seven laws that you can arrive at through your intellect? I'm not talking about laws that uh, are good for society. I'm talking about laws for the perfection of the individual. Which laws are we under? And according to Rabbi Bakaya, all the laws which can be arrived at through the intellect and all these laws that were observed by Adam, by Enoch, by Noach, by Eov and his friends, up until the days of Moshe, our master, peace be upon him. <clears throat> and those days also would include the days of Abraham, Isaac, and Yitzhak, would they not? Because all the way uh, the days up to Moshe. Now, let me read you one final paragraph that he states here. He says, Whoever adheres to all these for the sake of God's service, God will bestow upon favors beyond those enjoyed by other people and will raise him to a higher level in this world and give him greater reward in the world to come as with Avraham. Okay, so now he brings in Avraham, right? To whom God said, Do not fear Avraham. I am a shield to you. Your reward will be very great. And of course, that's in Brashi, uh chapter 15, verse 1. And then that same section, by the way, he goes on to talk about whoever rebels against him. In other words, uh, so Andy's asking the question, by saying arrived at, does that mean they can be accepted, implying, received instruction, comprehending it? Or actually discovering them on one. I think they can come both ways. Uh, let's take the case of Abraham, for example, though. Uh, he didn't receive any instruction, did he? I mean, he lived in the place of idolatry. In fact, we were told that he even practiced idolatry for uh, a certain number of years. But at the same time, he discovered certain ideas on his own. Correct? Not when he came to the discovery of the Creator. Expand on it a little bit, Andy. Now, how did he come to the idea? Of... Oh, okay, not as he didn't. Right, exactly. He didn't receive instruction, uh, and that's my point. And, and I want to I want to make this point very clear, by the way, because. How did he discover uh, the fact that there was only one God? He discovered that by the use of his own intellect. And if we go back and, of course, look at the oral tradition about Avram as he grew up in the era of Chaldees, you know, right in the heart of, of idolatry, it was through his own intellect that he arrived at a correct understanding of the Creator. And he came to it. Yeah, he absolutely came to it without any instruction whatsoever. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> but as he came, but I think that discovery of the Creator is different than discovering His will. This to it, 
Ah, well, well we're going to find out if that's really true or not. That's a good good statement. Uh, but uh, let me ask you a question before I actually get in the rest of my presentation, which maybe will have make, make some sense for you, Andy. Uh, all the sages agree that how did Avraham serve God? What character trait did he use most of all? You know, all the patriarchs used one or more character traits to serve God. Which one? <clears throat> uh, which way did he serve God? Hesed. Ah, exactly what we're talking about. Now, how did he come to the idea that he should serve God using Hesed? You see what I'm saying? How do you discover this idea? Now remember, these are discoverable by how? Okay. But they are discoverable by the intellect. Okay. Now, let's go back to Mori Nakuvim. And uh, we're going to be reading just a little bit more out of Mori Nakuvim because I want to read about what is the main objective for humanity. Now, the first thing we should do is that as... Uh, as pointed out in Duties of the Heart, is that once we under, once we know that there's a God, and how do we how can we uh, come to the conclusion there's a God? How do we know that? How do we know? How can we know? I mean, the the whole proposition is to know, right? If we went back and looked at the very first law, if we go to, uh, in fact, let's go to the Mishnah Torah. Now, if you don't have these books, I would suggest maybe that later on you get them. Uh, if we go to the Mishnah Torah and Yesod HaTorah, which is the very first work of uh, Rambam, and the very first command was it say, to know that there is a God. Now, I want to read you something in the Mishnah Torah. And I want you to think about it for just a moment. And I'm just going to read you the first three uh, laws that we find in the Mishnah Torah. Now, I know there's different translations, so you can translate, translate these in so many different ways. But I'm going to just read the translation I have, which is, uh, I think, the translation by Unger. Uh, I have another translation, but, uh, but I'm just going to read the one that I have. Now, he says, first of all, he says, law number one. The foundation of all foundations and the pillar of wisdom is to know that there is a primary being who brought into being all existence, all the beings of, of the heavens, the earth, and what is between them came into existence only from the truth of his being. If one could imagine, excuse me, law number two, if one could imagine that he does not exist, no other being could possibly exist. Law number three. If one would imagine that none of the entities aside from exist, he alone would continue to exist, and the nullification of their existence would not nullify his existence, because all the other entities require him, and he, blessed be he, does not require them or any one of them. Therefore, the truth of his being does not resemble the truth of any other beings. Now, I've just read three laws in Mishnah Torah and what I find odd and what you should find odd is what? What's odd when I read these three laws? Is there anything odd? Is there anything that kind of jumps out at you as odd? Anyone? Not right up hand. Okay. <clears throat> uh, he does and he doesn't. Uh, yes. Yes. Now, here's what I find odd. It is not until the fourth law that he quotes anything from the Tanakh. In other words, what is he using to back up his statements. 
intellect. That's right, Andy. <clears throat> so the first three statements that we have in the law of the, of the Mishnah Torah is logic. How can a person know that God exists? Uh, again, I say no. Not just believe, but no. How can I know and that he is the pillar of all wisdom? And by the way, the word hakma here, wisdom, can mean several different things. But in this case, uh, we would just refer to the fact that he, that this knowledge of him, that he exists, uh, that you know he exists, he is the pillar of all science. Right? Everything rests upon knowing that he exists. So the first three laws that he gives us is stimulated by intellect and reason and logic that we can know that there is, we can prove that there is a God simply by logic. Now, if you go to duties of the heart, what is gate number one all about? Gate number one is about knowing God and developing arguments, what? From logic, from intellect, and from reason. Okay? Now, why is that so important? You know, that's the real question. Why is, why does Rambam which is, uh, I think, 14th century sage, right, Rishonim, and Rabbi Bakaya, which wrote the Deeds of the Heart. He's uh, in the 11th century. He's also within uh, the period of the Rishonim. And all of them put this emphasis on what? The emphasis on knowing God, the emphasis on knowing God apart from having a book. You know? Now, we could say, well, for example, Adam... Yeah, surely he would have known God, right? <laughs> but what about the generations that followed after him? Men such as Enoch, men such as Noach. Uh, yeah, they received things by tradition. The, what makes Abraham, at least in my assessment, what makes Abraham such a, a great guy and becomes the leader of all the faiths, you know, that we know that there's three major faiths that was founded on, on Abraham, uh, what makes him so great is that it was through the force of his own intellect and his own reasoning and his own logic that he came to the idea that there was but one God. And by the time he reached the age of 40, through his own reasoning and his own logic, that he was able to refute any idolaters that would uh, wish to come and speak to him. Exactly. He was the first of them to know God that was raised without receiving the tradition. But not only just to know God, but we know that when he came to a certain knowledge of God, what was his response of this knowledge? This is the next question. Now, you think, well, what all this has to do with Hesed? It has everything to do with it in some sense. We're going to get to that point. Now, when Abraham... Uh, comes into the land after you know he, he leaves the land he comes to the land in what way does Abraham refer to God how does he refer to God once he comes into the land what specific word does he use in relationship to God what does he call him Anybody remember? He he refers to him by a name that it, that nobody else mentions until that time. You know how did uh, what did Noah? How did he? Uh, what name did he use to refer to God? Okay, exactly. Adonai. Now, what is the semblance of Adonai? What is the significance of Abraham recognizing God and referring to him? And he's the first individual that we find in the entire Tanakh that refers to God as Adonai. What is the significance of that? Anyone know?
uh, refers to God acting mercifully. Uh, in, in what way, though? How would he How would he know that it refers to God acting mercifully? Let's think for a moment. How would he know? Good question. <laughs> well, give me a good answer, Andy. Come on. I know you know. Just putting you on the spot, huh? Exactly. The fact that Abraham exists. Great answer, Andy. Uh, when a person says Adonai, they didn't. Yes, exactly. When he, when Abraham referred to the Creator as Adonai, he recognized him as his master. And because he is his master, he also recognized that he was indeed a created being, uh, and that he exists only because that God, through his Hesed, caused him to exist. Now remember, law number three in Rambam's Mishnah Torah says, if one, if one would imagine, and you have to imagine this, that none of the entities aside from him exist, he alone would continue to exist, and the nullification of their existence would not nullify his existence because all of the other entities require him, and he, blessed be he, does not require them or any of them. Okay? So, Abraham understood that he was just a great being, that did he merit the hesed of God? Had he done something to achieve this hesed? Now remember, Rambam's first definition does anybody remember Rambam's first definition of Hesed and the Mori Nakuvim? What was his first definition of Hesed? You typing, Andy? Hesed is indebtedness. It could be understood that way, Andy. Absolutely, I think it is. Uh, his definition of hesed, remember, is just used of extraordinary kindness. But the way you practice, and the very first thing that he tells us how you practice it is, loving kindness is practiced in two ways. Number one, we show kindness to those who have no claim whatever upon us. Now, that would mean that Abraham understood that he received a kindness from God, but that kindness from God has no claim upon him. But he understands now he has what? He has an obligation. He is indebted. And because of that indebtedness, he begins to respond <clears throat> uh, to God by calling him Adonai to understand that he's the, his master. And because he is a master, and because now Abraham understands I have an obligation to serve my master. You know, if we ask ourselves, uh, as Rabbi Bakalia brings out in the duties of the heart when he talks about our, our obligation, uh, that universal obligation, you know, that all humanity has, what is the obligation? Where does the obligation come from? He says, he brought them into existence when previously uh, they did not exist. He gives them life and he favors them. Now, that's the very first thing that we should, that we should know. Once we come to the knowledge that there's a God, then the next thing we should understand is that there is only him and all of creation is dependent upon his hesed, upon his kindness. That we are a creation of God. We refer to him again as Adonai. And because we understand this creature-creation relationship, but also understand that our existence is based on his hesed, and our continued existence is 
based on his continued hesed that he uh, grants to us. Okay? Now, now that we've understood that, and by the way, now so far, uh, Abraham, uh, our example in this idea of hesed, and I think we can prove this from Rabbi Bakaya's work and from the Mishnah Torah, uh, how do you come to all this? Which book did they read? Which book was Abraham reading? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So his whole idea up until this point in time, how has he achieved this knowledge? His knowledge of God was achieved through the use of his intellect and logic. His understanding of the Creator being his master, his Adonai, and that his understanding of of God's hesed being granted to him because he is a creation. Okay? Now, uh, does that make any sense? Yay, nay? <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Abraham, and, and, and I'm going back to the Mission of the Corps and going back to even to Deities of the Heart, that Deus the Heart says that once we know there's a God, once we understand that we have an obligation, then all the laws that can be discovered by using the intellect and by logic are applicable to us. All the way from the days of Adam and Enoch and Noah, uh, uh, Eo and his friends, all the way up to the days of Moshe Rabbeinu, which would include the days of Abraham, the days of Yitzhak, uh, and the days of Yaakov, right? All the way up to, to Mount Sinai is what he's saying. Things change at Mount Sinai because all of a sudden at Mount Sinai, Israel receives another favor, uh, and that favor is divine revelation, which laws that cannot be arrived at through intellect. Okay? But it's quite apparent that Hesed, the idea of Hesed, and the idea of righteousness, uh, Zadaka, and the idea of Mishpat, uh, justice, can all be arrived at through the intellect. Yea or nay? Okay. Thinking. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> okay. Now, what are you thinking, Andy? Let's go back to Mori Nakuvan. This is in uh, Book Three. Uh, he, he's just defined for us, by the way. You know the different terms, and, and of course, he has an objective in defining those terms. Now, after he defines the terms, we come to page. Well, pages. We'll actually say pages, not just page. Uh, but we're going to come to certain pages such as page 394 and the following pages, which comes to the end of the book, by the way. And Mornikuvan, he picks up the subject, since he's defined the ideas of hesed and justice and righteousness for us. <clears throat> now he comes and he starts talking about different levels of perfection. Okay? Now, he talks about these different levels of perfection, and these different levels of perfection come from Jeremiah chapter 10. So the very first level of perfection that he talks about, <coughs> excuse me, he says, is the very lowest of perfection. And what is his perfection? It's the perfection as regards property. Okay? Uh, as Jeremiah would say in Jeremiah chapter 10, he would say, uh, don't let the rich man glory in his riches. Right? So this is where Maimonides is picking up on these, these four levels of perfection. And the first kind, he says, is the lowest level of perfection. Uh, at least in our society, we probably think of it in some sense 
in some sense maybe even the highest you know people like uh, kind of look up to rich people but uh, it's the lowest level of perfection at least human perfection uh, the second kind of perfection he talks about is the perfection that is closely related to a man's body uh, as Jeremiah the prophet points out he says don't let the uh, strong man glory in his strength okay the third kind of perfection he says is more closely connected with man himself than the than the second perfection it includes moral perfection the highest degree of excellence in man's character okay so these are the three so far different levels of perfection now let's get to the fourth level of perfection <clears throat> and by the way he, he stipulates about the third level of perfection he says uh, uh, these perfections are all moral perfections concerning the relationship of man to his neighbor the perfection of man's moral principles is as it were given to man for the benefit of mankind and then he says imagine a person being alone having no connection whatsoever with any other person all of his good moral principles are at rest they are not required and give man no perfection whatever these principles are only necessary and useful when man comes into contact with others so that's the third level of perfection the fourth level of perfection or the fourth kind of perfection uh, Mamadi states the fourth kind of perfection is the true perfection of man the possession of the highest intellectual faculties the possession of such notions which lead to true metaphysical opinions as regards God with these perfection man has up uh, let me read this and you think about this very carefully with this perfection man has obtained his final object it gives him true human perfection it remains to him alone it gives him immorality and on its excuse me immortality I'm sorry not immorality it gives him immortality and on its account he is called man okay and it goes on to talk about all the different the different uh, levels of perfection that he's just spoken about and he says if you examine those you will find that uh, if you possess them they are not your property but the property of others okay but the one true property and the object of the highest kind of perfection is the perfection of the highest intellect the, per the possession of such notions which lead to true medical metaphysical opinions as regards God with this perfection man has obtained his final object his final object is what is to have a greater knowledge of his creator it gives him he says it gives him true human perfection it remains to him alone it gives him immortality and on its account he is called man so our whole work <laughs> on the face of this earth is geared toward what what is our objective according to Rambam knowledge of God absolutely now we know that we can't know anything positive about God right all we can know is negatives it's what God is not but it's not just enough to say that I know God is not this and God is not that we have to be able to prove that. We have to be able to substantiate our, our knowledge of God. It's not enough just to say, okay, well, God can't be this and God can't be that. Uh, for example, uh, is it possible that there's more than two gods? I mean, is it possible that there's more than one God? Maybe there's actually two creators. Prove to me that there's not two creators. Prove to me there's not three creators. Uh, if uh, did the universe always exist you know Aristotle takes the position that the universe is like the shadow uh, uh, of the creator himself in other words 
It, they always existed simultaneously. Can you prove to me they didn't exist simultaneously? You know what I'm saying? But the knowledge of God is the real objective of man. Okay, Andy writes, we can't know of him in his being in the positive, but we can know of him in the of his acting in creation in the positive. Yeah, in acting in creation we can know of the positive. Uh, but we also have to sometimes, just from pure logic, come to certain conclusions uh, that it would be impossible for, as Rambam points out in the Yasodo Torah, he says, it's just impossible to, to accept the fact that God doesn't exist. Because if he didn't exist, then nothing else would exist. On the other hand, uh, it, we could imagine that everything else doesn't have to exist and he would still exist. In other words, it wouldn't affect him one way or the other. So we have to we have to reach some kind of understanding from those. But now, what I want to do is just go just a little bit further this evening, and probably about all the time we're going to have. Really hadn't got into the book of Hava Hesed, which is our main textbook. But I want to get people to the point to understand that a lot of what we can know, we have to arrive at through logic. Abraham is our greatest example of an individual using his intellect and arriving at things through logic. Now, we asked the question before, why does he refer to him as Adonai? Because he began to understand that God's the creator, that he is a creation, uh, and because he's a creation, he owes God a certain obligation, but he also understands that his existence is purely based upon the hesed, uh, the kindness uh, of the Creator. And that his continued existence, by the way, is based on the kindness of the Creator. Okay? Now, let's go to the last page. <clears throat> Excuse me, Mori Nakuva. It's page 397. I want to take back up his idea of what is this true perfection of man. What is the true object of man's perfection? Now he says, uh, in, on page 397, like I said, in the Old Dover edition, he says, The object of the above passage is therefore to declare that the perfection in which man can truly glory, and he's talking about, of course, the passage in Jeremiah chapter 10, is obtained by him when he has acquired, as far as this is possible for man, the knowledge of God the knowledge of his providence and of the manner in which it influences his creatures in their production and continued existence. Having acquired this knowledge, he will then be determined always to seek loving kindness, Hesed, judgment, Mishpatim, and righteousness, Zadakah, and thus to imitate the ways of God. Now, based on what Maimonides is saying, the Rambam and Mori Nakubim, the ultimate goal and the ultimate object of man is to reach the perfection to have the knowledge of God. What do we have once we acquire that, that ultimate knowledge? What do we gain? Or what should we gain? Let's put it that way. Okay, perfection. But what does it mean when we when we uh, when we obtain that perfection, Andy? What type of perfection do we have? Righteousness, absolutely, we'll have that. Now let's think about it. How did Abraham act? Now remember, the perfection of our being, yes. But once we have that perfection, what should it stimulate within us? How should we act from that point? Let me read you this statement by Rambam and Mori Nakubim one more time. He says, having acquired, 
Yes, we will do Hesed. Absolutely. Having acquired this knowledge, right? He's talking about this, this level of perfection. Having acquired this knowledge, he will then be determined. The person that reaches this level of perfection, he will be determined always to seek Hesed, Mishpatim, and Zadaka, and thus to imitate the ways of God. Now, again, let's go back to our example of Abraham. Abraham was the individual that came by logic, by use of his intellect, uh, to the knowledge of one God. After having come to that knowledge that there was only one God, one creator, he also came to understand that he is a creation, and as a creation, he has a certain obligation. But he also understood that his existence depended upon the hesed of his creator, that he wouldn't exist without that. His continual existence that also uh, relies upon the hesed of his creator. Therefore, he chose to do what? He chose to serve to serve his creator by the same hesed in which he was a recipient of. Exactly. To emulate the ways of God. Now remember, later on, uh, when the angels appeared, and they were men, by the way, at one point in time, and then they became angels when they appeared to Lot. Uh, when they came to Abraham, and they were, uh, and God was talking about, well, you know, he's about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, and should he do that without speaking to Abraham about it? He says something specific about Abraham, and he says what? I know Abraham. I know that he will teach his household and his children what? The ways of what? The ways of Hashem. The ways of God. And those ways are Mishpatim and Zadaka. Now he's already got the idea of what? Of Hesed. He's already practicing the idea of Hesed. So he's going to teach to his children what? The obligation of performing Hesed, the obligation of performing Zadaka, the obligation of performing Mishpatim. Now, okay, let's see what Andy says here. But then what is the difference between the discoveries of the intellect and receiving the revelation from God? If you can arrive at the same place with the intellect, then use is, then what use is revelation, I'm assuming. Okay. Uh, what's the difference? You're saying what's the difference between uh, receiving things in election and revelation? Okay. Uh, for example, for the people of Israel, uh, later on in Duties of the Heart, he brings this point up, by the way. In Duties of the Heart, when he goes on, he talks about, first of all, about the universal obligation, right? So we have a universal obligation. Everybody's under that. But then he comes to the second way in which one receives favor. And he says, The Creator's favor is bestowed on one people among the peoples, one nation among the nations, as he favored the, the children of Israel when he took them out of Egypt, brought them out of the land of Canaan. Correspondingly, he required them additional service beyond the first level of service, namely adherence to the commandments to have their origin in Revelation alone. Okay, does that help you, Andy? Uh, Revelation alone would be, uh, for example, uh, uh, wearing... Uh, to fill in. You know, the little black boxes, uh, I mean, nobody comes up with those on their own intellect. <laughs> you know, uh, what kind of box is it? What's it to be made out of? What colors is it supposed to be? Uh, what little designated scrolls goes in each compartment? I, I would say, with the exception maybe, Andy, of the limb of living animal. Uh, no, you don't. In fact, if you go back to the Talmud, yeah, if you have the true knowledge of God, if you come to that correctly as Abraham did, uh, no, you'll understand what Hesed, Mishpatim, and Zadok is all about. Based on 
uh, Rabbi Bakalia based on the Mishnah Torah, based on Rambam's writings. Now you should you should come to that by yourself. Yes, exactly. It was given uh, you know after uh, the the ark uh, landed. If you go back to the Mishnah Torah and the Hill of Kote Melakim, you know Rambam says there were six laws that were given to Adam, and the Everett men uh, was not mentioned. And that was added by God by revelation to Noah later on uh, after the ark came to rest. And, and that's certainly that's my point, by the way. Uh, and if, by the way, if you go to the Talmud and Tractate Sanhedrin, where a lot of the laws are expounded by the, by the sages, uh, there's one little explanation, I think it's in 56b, one Rabbi Yehuda chimes in. He says Adam was only given one law, and that was idolatry. And then a, another Rabbi Yehuda, by the way, uh, weighs in. He says uh, even blasphemy. Now, what does he mean, even? Because he, uh, what he's saying is that, from his perspective, by the way, that the the idea of blasphemy should be able to be uh, developed out of the law of idolatry. In other words, through logic and deduction, you should come to the point that you should understand that uh, that the idea of the law, prohibition against blasphemy, should be developed out of the law of idolatry. But what what the sages are really saying is that all these laws could be developed out of uh, out of out of just the law of idolatry. Uh, one of the other sages in that same section weighs in. He says, uh, you know, there's a prohibition against the ever uh, eating the limb of a living animal. And the other sage weighs in. He says, even castration. Uh, so even though certain laws can be derived even out of the laws that consider revelation. Did you want to say something, Andy? Got your mic on. Is it working? Um, okay. Uh, didn't hear anything. Uh, so you, you actually see where I'm coming from, right? I hope you do anyway. Because as far as my mind is concerned, our real objective is to know God. And by knowing God, okay, uh, you think you got it going now? <laughs> Typing, yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, is your mic working? I'm sorry. Uh, well, maybe next week we can get it working and come back in and we can have a little tay-to-tay, right? Oh, next week you won't have time? Okay. Uh, well, is there any just outright objectives to anything I've said so far. You guys me don't have any time to tell me all of them? <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Uh, are, you, are you disagreeing that these laws cannot be arrived at uh, through intellect and logic? Let's just do it this short way, maybe. Yes, no. Well, you know, if we're talking about, uh, the, let's just stay within the confines of, uh, of Hesed and Mishpatim and, and Zadaka. Uh, that doesn't necessarily have to include all the holocaust. Uh, if we take the definitions that Rambam gives us in the Mishnah Torah, uh, what Hesed is, and to whom we should perform that too, by the way, uh, are Zadaka, and about how we should perform that. Uh, and, and Mishpatim, Mishpatim just means uh, to do it justly, uh, is to understand in every situation, every circumstance in which I uh, I work in. Do I 
do I actually perform Hesed to that individual or do I perform Zadokah to that individual? Uh, so acting justly is, is an accumulated knowledge of how to act in every certain circumstance situation. There's a story, by the way, in the Talmud about uh, a couple of rabbis, and I can't remember one of them's name, but the other one I always remember his name is Rabbi Papa. And uh, he's a judge, and one of the, the rabbis had hired some men to move some wine casks for him. And they had broken the wine cast in the, in the moving of it. So at the end of the day, this rabbi, rather than paying these daily workers, and they were daily workers, rather than paying them, he actually took their cloaks away from them. And they go to Rabbi Papa, and they are making accusations against the other rabbi. So the rabbi comes, and of course the other rabbi is sitting in judgment, and he hears the case of the workers, and he tells the other rabbi to give their cloaks back. And the rabbi acts kind of surprised. He says, is that really the law? And Rabbi Papa says, well, this is the way of a righteous man. And so he gives her cloaks back, and then the workers complain that they hadn't been paid that day. And they were daily workers, and they depended upon their money for their daily source of food. And so as they complain, uh, Rabbi Papa says to the rabbi to pay him. And the rabbi says, is that really the law? You know, we're talking about the Holocaust here, right? Is that really the law? And the rabbi says, this is the ways of a just man. So Rabbi Papa is not ruling based on the Holocaust. What he's ruling upon is based on what we're talking about. He's ruling based upon the idea that in every circumstance, in every situation, that there must be hesed, there must be compassion that comes into the ruling. So if we if we rule based on the Holocaust, uh, I'll have to give that to you, Andy. I'll, I'll send it to you. I can't thank you. I just remember the story. Uh, it's a great story, but I will give you the source for it. Uh, so what the rabbi is saying is, he's not really based on the Holocaust. If he had went just with the Holocaust, they would have uh, went without their cloaks, and they would have went without their pay. Uh, but the reality is, what, what the rabbi is saying is that every decision that we make, every ruling that we make, we have to somehow base it on hesed and righteousness, and then make that that act of justice, that act of judgment. Uh, and in this case, by the way, he rules against the rabbi to give the workers back uh, their cloaks, which would have been like the only thing they would have been able to sleep in that night. And, of course, they would have went hungry had he not paid them. But he, he uses this. And there's a text in Proverbs, by the way, which the rabbi quotes uh, about acting a righteous man, the way he acts with justice and righteousness. Uh, but that's the point. The point is that, as Rambam says, once we've come to this knowledge and having acquired this knowledge, we, we then will be determined always to seek loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness, and thus to imitate the ways of God. Okay? And I know I haven't explained a lot about Hesed so far, <laughs> other than the fact that it seems, as Abraham uh, came to the idea of Hesed apart from a book. Uh, and he did this through logic and through reason. Uh, and he was determined to spend his life acting this out in his life. Thus, he was imitating the ways of God. Okay? So hopefully, we've done pretty much a lot of review. We've brought in some other new ideas. But basically, we've defined what Hesed is. We have insinuated how Hesed can be practiced, at least in two, uh, two different ways from Norin to Kuvim. And we've also brought in the idea that this idea can, can be arrived at, by the way, through logic and reason. If we, if we come by logic and reason, as the Mishnah Torah does, come to the idea of the first principle of all the principles, and, the, and that's the pillar of all wisdom, then we would automatically arrive at the same decision that Abraham did, and that is to say that God is our creator and that we are a creation, and the reason we exist is because he extends his hesed to us, 
and our continued existence depends upon his chesed, and then how are we going to act? Uh, then we should imitate the ways of God. If Abraham had the ability, as we we're told in the book of Genesis, sheet, that he is to teach his household and his children the ways of the Lord, and the ways of the Lord are righteous and justice, uh, apparently he knew those ways, and he knew those ways apart from a book, and the only way that he could arrive at those at that point in time in history, as far as we know, was through his intellect and through logic. I don't see him getting any other way. Okay? So, he practiced Hesed, uh, apart from knowing all the Holocaust about Hesed. And he also seemingly uh, observed the ways of Hashem, which was righteous and justice, apart from knowing all the Holocaust. Or maybe he knew all of them, Andy. Maybe he just knew them from logic uh, without somebody uh, handing him a book and, and getting to know him. But that comes from knowing God, right? Through our logical observation, through our intellect to know God, and the more we know him and his divine providence, then the more we will begin to imitate him. Okay? Uh, any questions or comments? I think we've gone about one minute over, but if you've got any questions or comments, I'd be certainly willing to try to uh, take them. And I'll send you that quote, too, by the way, Andy, as soon as I get an opportunity. <laughs> well, you should come prepared every week. <laughs> you know I'm going to. <laughs> Okay, Russell. I enjoyed it too. Uh, I, I wished we were, you know, we were really in a classroom setting where we could really kind of hammer at each other. Uh, it makes it so much better, so much a greater learning process. I mean, this is about as good as we can get at the moment. But uh, okay, that'd be great. I, I like that. I mean, it's the way we learn, right? Question and answers. Uh, if you come to our studies here in Cleveland uh, it's mostly question and answer back and forth so we love it yeah exactly absolutely uh, I love good discussions too and that's that's really the learning process <laughs> uh, where are you at yeah you should have Where were you? We've had people in all week, man. Yeah, you could have came on down. Absolutely. You weren't that far off. Uh, we had about uh, about 30-something people in Friday night, so uh, had people all weekend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had about 30 people in for for the Sabbath, so uh, had a great time. You know, a lot, of, a lot of good discussions and uh, ideas being tossed back and forth. So, if you get a chance, come on down, guys. You're always welcome. We're pretty much applicable to whatever time anybody comes. We, we're look, we're glad to have people come in. Yeah, Kurt, Russell, you any time. You know, if you're coming through here, uh, just let us know. Okay. Well, if there's no questions or further comments, and Andy, you can load up by next week, <laughs> or maybe we can discuss some of it over the telephone between now and then. Uh, but I'll also get those uh, that quote off to you so that you can look it up. It's a wonderful quote, by the way. Okay. No questions or comments, and we'll conclude our session. And God willing, we'll pick up in our study of Hesed next week. Uh, actually, next week, we might actually, with the exception of the questions that Andy has. Oh, one more question. Okay, go ahead. Uh, either way, you know, if you, want, if you want to have a discussion, just give me a call. You got my phone number right. Yeah, no problem. I'm usually available. 
I'm a night owl, so if you want to give me a call, that's welcome. Okay, well, uh, like I said, God willing, we'll see you guys next week, and I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. Uh, just hope, wish there was some way we could be more uh, interactive with each other. I know typing, like you said, is very slow, very sluggish. Uh, but uh, hopefully we'll, we'll we'll try to get it better as we go along. Okay? So you guys have a good one. And like I said, God willing, we'll see you here same time next week. <laughs>